kids like you Maker of heaven Lord of the land And Lord of the sea Holy and true Faithful and able Lord of all time And eternity all of these precious servants of God, brothers and sisters from around the world, Lord, joining as we get into the world this evening. Now, Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit will take over and unveil the heart and the mind of the Father to us at a time like this. We ask for clarity. We ask for impact. We ask that, Lord, you will do a work in each of our lives that will bring you glory. We ask that your Holy Spirit will take over this meeting and ensure maximum fruit and profit for the Son of God and blessing on your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. So just like we have advertised and shared, this evening, we will be looking at um, the topic, Time, Times, and Eternity. Time, Times, and Eternity. And our purpose, our agenda this evening is to find clarity, purpose, and power in the end times. You see, we are living in times that are unprecedented. All of us will agree with me that the world is not quite the same like we have known it uh, all along. There are things that indicate to us with clarity that these are the end times. These are no ordinary times. And it is important for us as believers to find clarity. Clarity. Not necessarily certainty. Our certainty will not be dependent on the environment. As God's children, we already have certainty relative to our salvation, relative to what we believe, relative to what we stand on, and relative to what the future holds for us. We have certainty. But you see, we need also to have clarity. Some time ago, the Lord said something to me, and the Lord said, why should you have my word and be filled with my spirit and then be confused about what is happening in the world. So why should you have my word and then you are filled with my spirit and then you are confused about what is happening in the world? The truth actually is that the Lord Jesus made sure that his people would never be in the dark. Jesus ensured that believers will not be confused about life. They will not be confused about the world. They will not be fearful of what the world is fearful about. When the people of the world are not sure about what is happening, believers are supposed to have clarity. 
are supposed to have clarity. Jesus said in the book of John, he said, I have told you these things so that you will know beforehand, before they ever come to pass. So that when the signs and the things that will happen, when they begin to unfold, you will not be confused like those that are in the dark. You will not be confused like those who do not have light. You see, as God's precious children, we are people of light. And when you have light, you are able to have clarity because you can see you are not in the dark. You know where what is located. You can see what is coming when you drive at night with your headlamps. You have clarity because you have these, you know, big lamps that help you to see ahead of you. Likewise, the Word of God and the Holy Spirit provide light for the believer. And that is the plan of God. And then we also have the light of prophecy, the prophetic Word of God. So please come with me to the book of 2 Peter. I'd like to read a scripture there. 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. And then we are going to read verse um, 19. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 19. It says, And so we have the prophetic word made more certain or confirmed. And then he says, which you do well to take heed to as unto a light that shines in the dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. You see, in this scripture, Peter was saying in the earlier verses, look, we have not followed cunningly devised fables. We have not followed cunningly devised fables. We are not telling empty stories. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We saw him. We were there. We heard the voice from heaven. We saw Jesus transfigured, glorious. And when that voice said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, we saw that. We heard that. And then Peter now says in verse 19, so we have the prophetic word that is even made more certain. In other words, we have the word of God that is sure. And then he says that this word is like light that is shining in a dark place. You see, the world right now is a dark place. And that is why it's important that God's people have light. It is so crucial that we have light. And Peter says this light will be shining in the darkness and that we will do well to pay attention to this light as unto a light that is shining in the dark place until the day, the day, <laughs> the day dawns and the day star, the morning star, the Lord Jesus Christ rises in our hearts. See, when someone has the light of prophetic insight, that person is not in the dark, is not confused. I'll give you a few examples and then we will get into our study for this evening following this introduction. 
Do you remember, some of us will recall, when Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, Pharaoh had some dreams. And Pharaoh had two sets of dreams, and these dreams troubled Pharaoh. And nobody could interpret these dreams until Joseph was brought. And the story is found in Genesis chapter 41. And without going into great detail, I'd like to read a few verses from Genesis chapter 41. Now, um, when Pharaoh finished telling Joseph the dream, Joseph said to Pharaoh in verse 25, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Remember, Pharaoh dreamt about um, the cows, the, the fat cows, and then the lean cows, which devoured the fat cows. And then Pharaoh dreamt about the green, the healthy green, and then the blasted, you know, bad ones that were eventually, uh, that eventually devoured the good ones. So when Pharaoh finished telling Joseph, when Pharaoh finished telling Joseph this dream, um, Joseph says to Pharaoh, he said, the dream of Pharaoh is one. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. And because God showed Pharaoh what he was about to do, Pharaoh could prepare. Pharaoh could set things in order because he had light. Pharaoh could make all necessary arrangements because Pharaoh had light. God had shown Pharaoh what Pharaoh, or rather what God was about to do. And Pharaoh now had clarity about what was coming. In that same Genesis, I'd like you to look at one or two more verses. Remember, I read verse 25. He said, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. And then look in verse 28. Joseph still speaking to Pharaoh. He said, this is the thing I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. This is the second time Joseph is saying that. And then he now continued. And in verse 32, Joseph says to Pharaoh, the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice because the thing is established by God and God will shortly bring it to pass. Notice Joseph is saying to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he's about to do. In other words, God is giving Pharaoh prophetic light about things that had not yet manifested, things that we are, in fact, at least seven years ahead. That is prophecy. I mean, God is telling him what will happen over a period of seven years and then the following seven years of famine. A total of 14 years. God gave Pharaoh prophetic insight. Now, in verse 32, Joseph says to Pharaoh, look, the dream was repeated twice. And the reason why this dream was repeated twice is because the matter is established. In other words, it will not change. It's settled in the heavens. God will certainly bring this to pass. 
Now listen to what Joseph now says to Pharaoh. In verse 33 of Genesis 41, it says, Now therefore, now therefore, in the light of what God has shown to you, your majesty, there are steps you need to take to secure your country and your empire. There are steps of wisdom and prudence that you need to take that will secure your welfare in the light of what is coming. You see, what is ahead cannot be changed. It cannot be altered. It is settled. It is fixed. Pharaoh. But now, therefore, on the basis of what is coming, look what Joseph now says to Pharaoh. He says, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Look at verse 34. Let Pharaoh do this. Let Pharaoh do this. And let him appoint officers and over the land and collect one-fifth and the rest of the things that Joseph said to Pharaoh. But here is the bottom line of this revelation. Pharaoh is supposed to take appropriate action in the light of definitive divine revelation. So because Pharaoh has information, you see, I, I, it dawned on me, please listen closely, servants of God, it dawned on me that this information was not public knowledge, even in the land of Egypt. See, this thing transpired in the palace. This was a secret meeting between Pharaoh and his highest officials and then Joseph who interpreted this dream. So, this information was not available to every other country. But Ferdinand, how do you know that? If the information was available to every other country, they would have taken preemptive measures. The same kind of measures that Pharaoh took. I mean, every other country, the Canaanite kings and all the other people, they could also have set up their own Joseph program. Where they have their own Joseph you know, storing grain, they could have built silos and all kinds of things to prepare for what is coming. But they didn't have that light. They did not have that information. So when those things eventually arrived, please follow now, it was the person that had prophetic light that made the preparations and that was the person that prospered. That was the person that survived and thrived when other people we are being destroyed. When other empires were crumbling because of the famine, the man that had prophetic light was able to make adequate preparations in the light of what was coming. Now, here is another matter I don't want you to miss here. When those countries entered into crisis, Pharaoh was sitting on his throne smiling. <laughs> Pharaoh said, wow. Joseph, you were accurate. And do you know, oh, glory to the name of Jesus. Please listen closely, servants of God. I know you're listening. So when I say listen closely, I'm just, you know, you know, bringing your expectation to what God is saying here. Do you know that because Joseph and Pharaoh knew what was coming, while others were selling, they were buying. 
I said, because they knew what was coming, while others were selling, they were buying. You see, if you have light, you will be running counterculture. You will be doing things that are different from what everybody else is doing. Even when the prices went up, Joseph was buying. The price of grain skyrocketed. People were selling. They were collecting money. Joseph was buying. They increased the price times five. Joseph was buying. He kept on buying. Ah, ah. People, even the ones they kept to eat, because the prices had risen, some people sold. Because they didn't know what was coming. They had no idea that this thing you're selling is going to, you are eventually going to pay a higher price for what you just sold. But as they were selling, Joseph was buying. Eventually, when the famine struck, it was now Joseph's time to sell. And you know the rest of the story. Joseph, they came with their money. Joseph collected all the money in Egypt. Then they brought their livestock. Joseph collected all the livestock. Then they brought their land. Joseph collected all the land in Egypt. And then they brought themselves. And Joseph bought every Egyptian for Pharaoh with food. This is the power of prophetic insight and foresight. The next example I'll just mention, I will, I will even read the text because I don't want us to miss out on the other details we are looking at tonight. Is the man called Noah. Remember that God spoke to Noah about what was coming. So Noah had prophetic foresight. Now, by the way, uh, uh, brothers and sisters, servants of God, don't you think that if God will tell Pharaoh what he's about to do, don't you think that he will tell his church? Don't you think that if God will tell Pharaoh, don't forget that Pharaoh is a hidden king. Even King Nebuchadnezzar, you remember that Nebuchadnezzar had dreams that showed him empires that were coming. You remember the head of gold, the chest and the arms of silver, then the belly and the thigh of brass, and then you had the legs of iron, and then you had the toes that were a mixture of iron and clay. When Daniel interpreted that dream, Nebuchadnezzar knew what was coming. He knew that other kingdoms were coming. In fact, he knew that one kingdom will have two arms, the Middle Persian Empire. He knew that another kingdom will have... He knew, Nebuchadnezzar knew. God showed Nebuchadnezzar what he was about to do. He showed Pharaoh what he was about to do. Why will he not show his church? Why will God leave his children in, in the dark, in an age of darkness? The Bible says the darkness shall cover the earth, but the glory of God, the light of God, will rise upon you, child of God. So Noah was also a beneficiary of prophetic foresight. God showed Noah what was coming. And why people were mocking and laughing, Noah was building the ark. While they were selling, you know, Noah also had to stockpile food. So Noah was also buying. And they were laughing. Do you know that the people that sold wood to Noah to build the ark, do you know that they perished? Do you know that the carpenters that Noah employed, people that Noah employed, Noah's project created jobs <laughs> for people that were about to perish. I said, Noah's, the ark project created jobs. 
And people were, we are, you know, they were taking these jobs. But the people that we are taking these jobs and collecting salary, we are going to drown in an, in an epic flood that was going to overrun the earth. They didn't know that. But Noah knew. And when Noah and his sons and his, and their families entered into the ark, the Bible says God shut the door and then the rain began to pour. The point I'm making is that when you have prophetic light, you will have clarity in these end times. And for me, this is crucial. It's important that believers have clarity in a time in which we are. Look at all of the coronavirus pandemic. Look at all the things going on around the world. Even the elections that are coming in the US. Do you know that if you are American and you're a Christian and you don't have clarity, you will vote for the wrong candidate? Because the, the things going on in the media will confuse you. All the things that are happening in the country, we say, ah, no, this is the guy, this is the guy. But you, if you didn't have clarity about what does the word of God say about these people, what, do, what will prosper the kingdom, you will follow the crowd. And I normally say to believers, don't follow the crowd. Follow the cloud. Don't follow the crowd. Follow the cloud. Remember when the children of Israel left the land of Egypt? They were not following the crowd. They were following the cloud. Whenever the cloud of glory moved, they moved. When the cloud stopped, they stopped. They were not moved by even the weather. They were following the cloud. And so I have said by way of introduction that believers are called to clarity in an age of darkness. We are people of light in an age of darkness. God wants us to have such clarity that we can see nothing will deceive us, nothing will confuse us. Because a cardinal mark of the end times is deception. But you see, when you have clarity, you cannot be deceived. You cannot be deceived. The second agenda that we have is to find purpose. Once you have clarity, purpose is clear. The, the steps to take become self-evident. See, as soon as Pharaoh knew what was coming, the steps that Pharaoh needed to take became self-evident. And of course, you know the story, Pharaoh says to Joseph, you are the man. We, 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 I can't find anybody wiser than you. <laughs> I can imagine Pharaoh look at all of his officers and said, how can you manage a dream that you cannot interpret? <laughs> no, you're not the one. Joseph, you are the man. And that was how Joseph became prime minister. And I want to say that people that have clarity, God is going to raise them to greater heights of leadership. Because they are the ones that can provide leadership for the people of God in the times that we are in right now. And then once we find clarity and purpose, the final component of the agenda tonight is that we will also find power uh, for our assignments and for daily living. Praise the Lord. Now, having said that, let's now read certain scriptures that talk about time, times, and eternity. I would like to read, first of all, Ephesians chapter 5, the book of Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm reading from verse 15 um, to 18. Ephesians 5, from verse 15 to 18. He said, see then that you walk circumspectly, you walk carefully. He said, not as fools, but as wise. 
redeeming the time because the days are evil. Redeeming the time, not that word, time. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Verse 17, therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine because that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And then um, uh, it goes on. Where I'm going to stop reading at that point. Now please put a marker in that scripture because we will be coming back there uh, not long from now. And then when we come back, we are going to read it from some other translation for further clarity. Okay, now let's now go to um, First Chronicles, First Chronicles chapter um, chapter twelve, and I'm going to read uh, verse thirty-two. First Chronicles chapter twelve and verse thirty-two. So First Chronicles twelve and thirty-two, it says. Of the sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times. Of the sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. Their chiefs were 200, and all their brethren were at their command. For you to understand, please go back to verse 23. Just go up a bit to verse 23 of the same First Chronicles chapter 12. He said, now these were the numbers of the divisions that were equipped for war. And they came to David at Hebron. And why did they come to David at Hebron? What was the agenda? To turn over the kingdom of Saul to him, according to the word of the Lord. So all of these people came to David at Hebron. And what was the agenda? To turn over the kingdom of Saul to David, according to the word of the Lord. So God had spoken and given the kingdom to David. God, I mean, you know the story. He had been anointed king by Samuel. But by this time, he was still running around in the bush and wandering. You know the story. Now, the Bible now says that some people now came to David to ensure the fulfillment of the word that God has spoken. You see, the, the, I don't want you to miss the point. These people were leaders and when they heard the word that God had spoken, the Bible said they moved over to David to turn the kingdom. Please keep that phrase in mind because we are going to come to it when we come to strategy for these end times. These leaders, they, because they had clarity that the cloud had moved from the house of Saul to the house of David, they realigned themselves to what God was doing. They realigned themselves to where God was going. They moved allegiance from the house of Saul, who was still the king, 
sitting in the palace to the house of David who was running around in the bush. How do you follow a man that is in the bush instead of a man that is in the palace? You only do that if you have prophetic light, if you have clarity. If you know that the man in the palace has already expired, then you can follow the one that is going in the direction of where God is going. So the Bible now said that among those people that came to make David king, according to the word of the Lord, there were these leaders from the tribe of Issachar. And these people had understanding of the times. So notice now, this is not time. Understanding of the times. In fact, the Living Bible said, they understood the temper of the times. That's how the Living Bible puts that scripture. It says that these brothers understood the temper. They could feel the pulse of the times. They knew they could read the times. They could discern the times. And because they accurately discerned the times, they shifted allegiance. They moved away from what had expired to what God was blessing. Please listen. This is a major key. As God's people find clarity in this end time, they will move away from what has expired in the church to God's current agenda. Keep that in mind because we will come back here if our time permits. But when the people of God see where God is going, I want to make an announcement here and I apologize to any servant of God, any pastor, great man of God, denomination, no offenses are intended. But please listen. Some leaders are going to lose their church members. Some churches will lose their cash cows. The biggest donors in certain churches and certain congregations are going to go away. Do you know why? The reason they will go away is that they have been putting their money and their time and their effort in something that has expired. The reason is because just like King Saul, if you have a leader who is not focusing on the purpose of God, should the people of God continue to pour their resources into something that is not advancing kingdom agenda? Does it make sense that God's people will be pouring their resources, pouring their time into something that has been personalized and is now about the man of God and no longer about the kingdom of God? The answer to that is no. So what is going to happen? There will be a realignment. There will be a realignment. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking prophecies to you. What I'm saying to you will happen with acceleration in the days ahead. The people of God are going to realign. That is how a great army will be raised. God is going to mobilize people that have been used for personal agendas. In certain congregations, he will move them to where they will function for kingdom agenda. I, you know, I don't pastor a church, so I'm not looking for church members. I, I, I do not have a congregation. I'm, I'm, I need to say that so that somebody will not say, Oh, Ferdinand, you are saying this so that you can move our church. No, I'm not saying that. And I'm simply saying it's important to make sure that we are like the people of Issachar who have understanding 
of the times. So notice, I read the scripture about time, and then I read this one about times. In Matthew chapter 16, the Lord Jesus Christ said to the people, why can't you discern the times? Huh? This is Matthew chapter 16. Let's also read that. And then we'll read the scripture about eternity. And then we can make some progress. So in Matthew 16 from verse 1. Matthew 16 from verse 1. Then the Pharisees and the Sadducees came. And testing him. They asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. They were testing the Lord Jesus. And he answered and said to them. When it is evening you say. It will be fair weather. Because. The sky is red. So you see, now that the sky is red, you say, oh, it's going to be fair weather. There will be fair weather. And then Jesus said, and in the morning, you say, oh, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Then Jesus said to them, hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. The signs of the times. Now, I invite you to take a closer look at this scripture. Jesus said, when it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather for the sky is red. So note, in the evening, sky is red means what? Fair weather. But now look at verse 3. And then in the morning, it will be foul weather today. For the sky is red. So now look. In the evening, if the sky is red, it means, oh wow, the weather is beautiful. But in the morning, if the sky is red, it doesn't mean what it means in the evening. <laughs> I don't know if you are seeing Same thing, but different meaning. Why is the meaning different? Because the time is different. Oh, glory to the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Do you know that exactly the same thing at a different time? has a completely different import. A completely different implication. Is the same thing. Sky is red in the evening. Excellent weather. Sky is red in the morning. Ah, <laughs> things are going to be terrible. Now, here is the point. Here is the point. Don't miss this now. Do you know that once you make the diagnosis, either in the evening or in the morning, you change your action in line with your discernment of the time. So let's assume now that in the morning sky is red and it is foul weather. Are you likely going to plan something that is weather dependent on that morning? The answer is no, because ah, no, the sky is red, foul weather, foul weather. In fact, if you plan to travel, plan to do some things, you may postpone it because you have discerned the times. It comes back to what I'm sharing. Our discernment of the times will inform prudent action. I said an accurate discernment of the time will inform prudent action. That's exactly the thing with Pharaoh. Remember, Pharaoh discerned the times because God told him he took informed action. In this generation, when we discern the times properly, we will discover that certain things are not fit for the times. There are some things that are not um, apropos. How do I say? There are some things that are not compatible with certain times. 
I'll give an example. I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sweating. As you can see, I'm, you know, we, we, the air conditioning is off and the power is, is not, you know, we have some uh, solar power, so we have light. But other things. See, I'm sweating. But if I went to New York or I went to Canada, uh, in January, dressed like this, just with my shirt and with my, with my light jacket, do you know that I could lose my life? Why is that so? Because I didn't discern the time properly. This is winter. And then you arrive in, in Canada or, or in, in the northeastern United States with this type of dress. You better get some, some warm clothing because your dressing is not according to the time. I'll give you another example. Once you determine the time, your, your everything changes. You can then take informed action based on your diagnosis of the times. And God expects us to do the same as believers. When, when we have clarity and understand the times that we are inside and the signs of the times, notice first of all that the, what's their name? The sons of Issachar understood the times to know what Israel ought to do. You see, because they understood the time, they knew what Israel ought to do. Now, in this scripture, because they understood the signs of the times, they could take action based on fair weather or foul weather. Do you know, brothers and sisters, that if spouses, if Christian husbands and wives, if you understand the times, you will settle the quarrel. Oh, boy, boy you, you will, both of you will say, hey, 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 darling, stop, stop, I am sorry. Both of you will be saying sorry at the same time you will meet in the middle. The reason is because these, the times where we are now is the worst of times to have husband and wife fighting one another. If this is the most dangerous time to do such a thing. If you did it before, this is not the time for that. Perfect, and why do you say so? There is a plague on the streets. People are dying in thousands around the world. People are, the world has changed. People are threatened by all kinds of things. And then, instead of husband and wife who are supposed to agree in prayer and protect their family and stand and receive divine intervention, even in the midst of the crisis, then the two of them are quarreling. No, 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 no. That is not synonymous. It's not, it's not synchronous. It's not in agreement with the times. If you remember when Gehazi, you remember the, the, um, uh, the servant of the man of God, uh, Gehazi, the servant of Elisha. Gehazi went and uh, ran after Naaman. This was after um, Naaman was cured of his leprosy. And Naaman wanted to show some kind of appreciation and he brought gold, he brought stuff to Elisha. And Elisha says, uh, <laughs> Mr. Naaman, no, I don't want this stuff. Just go with them. And then uh, Gehazi says, oh, my master has spared this Syrian. I'm going to go after him and collect some things. So Gehazi, you know, goes out through the back door and then runs around and then eventually collects, you know, stuff from, uh, he collects stuff from, uh, 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 what's his name, from Naaman. And then he comes back and then he stands before his uh, master. And then Elisha says to him, Gehazi, where are you coming from? And then he said, I didn't go to any place. And Elisha says to him, didn't my spirit go with you 
when you met the man at the junction and then he turned aside and then you collected all the stuff that you collected and then there's a question that Elisha asked Gehazi. I didn't understand that question initially but the more I looked the more I saw Elisha said to Gehazi is this the time to collect vineyards oliveyards and all of these things is this the time in fact Elisha didn't tell tell Gehazi, is this the time to collect money and clothes? Which is what exactly Gehazi collected. He asked, he said, is this the time for you to collect vineyards and oliveyards? In other words, that was, Gehazi had, was looking for a retirement plan. Gehazi was looking for a retirement plan. He was looking for a retirement plan. And in view of that, he missed the time. Elisha said, is this the time for this kind of behavior? And he said to him, the leprosy of Naaman will never depart from you. And that was how Gezai became leprous, uh, unfortunately. So the point I'm making here is that you have time and then you have times. I've spent enough time on times. But then you also have eternity. And I want to read the scripture in, uh, uh, please go with me to um, Isaiah chapter 57 and we'll read the verse of scripture there and then we will gather the whole thing together as we draw to a close Isaiah chapter 57 and verse 15 it says for thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity whose name is holy thus says the high and the lofty one the message version says the high and towering God. The high and the towering God. The high and lofty, exalted one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who also has a contrite and a humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. So in this scripture, we are told that God inhabits eternity. So where is the intersection between time, times, and eternity? Where is the meeting point? Before I get into that, please come with me now to Psalm 90. You know, I'm reading these scriptures so that we can establish what we are saying from the word of God, not from a personal opinion. So, in Psalm 90, Psalm 90 was written by Moses, not by David. Uh, some of the Psalms were not written by David. Some were written by the sons of Asaph, uh, by even Solomon. And then this one was written by Moses. Look what he says from verse 1, Psalm 90. He says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. He said, before the mountains were brought forth, or, and before you formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Um, I need you to see what Moses is describing here. 
He says, God, you are our dwelling place. You have been our dwelling place, our hiding place. He said, and you were there before the mountains were brought forth. You were there before the world was formed. And then he says to God, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So from this scripture, you notice that there are two everlastings. You will notice that there are two everlastings in that scripture. There are two components. What were the components? You have from everlasting and then you have to everlasting. So in that scripture, you have the two components of eternity. Eternity comprises the eternal past and the eternal future. Actually, eternity is not divided into two. Eternity is one. But you see, because we live in time, we talk in terms of eternal past and then the eternal future. But eternity is a continuum. Eternity is an unbroken continuum that envelops time. So let's look more closely. This is very important because these scriptures will help us to locate time. We will have clarity about where we are right now. And then with that clarity, we will find purpose. We will find focus. We will find priorities without being distracted. So picture what is going on here. Moses is standing in the middle. So Moses said, from everlasting to everlasting. So Moses is standing in time. And he is talking of from everlasting past to eternity in the future. So here is the point. Moses in time is sandwiched between two eternities. Moses in time was sandwiched between two eternities. So what that means is that human existence on earth is sandwiched between two eternities. What that means is that before Today, there was forever. And after today, there will be forever. This is the location of every human being. Every human being has eternity on this side of him or her, and then eternity on this side. We are enveloped by eternity. We are surrounded. We are surrounded by eternity. What it means is that before we got here, you have the eternal past. And then when we leave from this place, you have the eternal future. Let me explain. You see, time, remember we read about time in uh, Ephesians chapter 5. It said, redeeming the time. Brothers and sisters, I was astonished to discover that time is a creation. You see, just like God created human beings, created, you know, tangibles, there are also intangible components of creation. You know, creation has visibles and then there are invisibles. I mean, angels, spirits, all of these are creations, but you don't see them. There are tangibles and there are intangibles. Family, for instance, is an intangible creation. You, you, can't, you can't touch it. You can't say this is family. But all of us understand what family is about. Now, time was also a creation. You say, Prophet Nan, when was time created? Time was created in Genesis chapter 1. 
Let me show you a few verses to prove that. I will not spend too much time on this because I want us to wrap up uh, with the practical strategies that we need for a time like this. If, if we turn over, please uh, kindly go with me to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. And now look at verse 5. God called the night or called the light day. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 5. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. Now watch the last part of the verse. He said, so the evening and the morning were the first day. The evening and the morning were the first day. So here is the question. What was before the first day? That is the eternal past. You see, he says in the beginning, God. So even before the beginning began, the eternal God was already present. And then we are now told that this eternal God created all things, you know, created all things. And when he now created, he now begin, began with something called the first day. So question, what did you have before the first day? There was no day before the first day. What you have before the first day was the eternal past. So this was the first day of time. This was when time was created. For you to confirm that, continue to look at that scripture. Please look at verse 14 now. Look at verse 14 of the same chapter 1 of Genesis. Say, then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night. And now watch, watch this. He said, and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. Let there be lights in the firmament to separate the day from the night and let these lights in the firmament, let them be for signs, for seasons, let them be for days and let them be for years. Watch this. Don't miss this point here now. So, God was talking about the lights, the sun and the moon. Watch this. What is 24 hours? Do you know that 24 hours is one day and one day is the time that it takes planet Earth to make a complete revolution uh, around its own axis, or rather rotation, not revolution, to make a rotation around its axis relative to the sun. That is what you call one day. So the, question, the point is, before the sun and before the physical Earth, there was no day. Because the day is dependent on the movement of the earth relative to the sun. What do you mean by one year? Do you know that one year is the time that it takes planet earth in its revolution around the sun to make a complete revolution around the sun? That is what you call one year. So it means that before the sun was there, there was no year. Before the earth began to move relative to the sun, there was no day. This is important. Now, when you now have the day, you break the day into hours, and you break the hours into minutes, and then into seconds. So you can see that time was created in the book of Genesis. And as surely as there was a first day, 
the time is also coming when there will be a last day. You, you read about the last days. And one of the day of the last days will be the last day. So after the last day, what do you have in front of you? You have eternity. So it means that time is sandwiched between two eternities. Brethren, what are you saying? I'm saying that once upon a time, there was no time. What I'm saying is that once upon a time, there was no time. What did you have then? You had eternal past. And I am saying that once upon a time to come in the future, there will be no more time. The Bible actually says that in Revelation chapter 10. I don't have time to go into that. An angel lifted up his hand and swore that there will be time no longer. It marks the end of time and then the entrance of time-bound humanity into the eternal future. But for now, what are you saying? Here is what I'm trying to say, brothers and sisters, and I, I pray that God will just use this to help our lives. What I'm saying is that there is an eternity in front of every one of us. This place is not the end of everything. We are here in time, but in front of us in this direction is eternity. When we step out of time, we step into the eternal future. And that eternal future has only two destinations. It will be in glory with the Father God or in agony in a lake of fire. And that is the purpose of the gospel. So the purpose of the gospel is to prepare us in time for eternity. You see, some people have tried some people have tried to make it look as if the purpose of the gospel is this place. See, I believe that our needs should be met. Don't read me wrong. I am not a poverty preacher. God, Jesus could not have died on the cross to purchase people and then make them poor. It's impossible. You can't even carry Christ in your heart and be thinking poverty. We are called to a life of abundance. Abundance with an agenda. But do you know that the Bible says, if only in this life we have hope, we are of all people most miserable. There is something beyond this place. And if we are going to be people of wisdom in the end times, we must be conscious that beyond time lies eternity. So what does this mean? It means that we discern the times so that we can prepare for eternity. It means we discern the times. We have understanding of the times. We trust God to help us to read the signs well so that we can prepare for eternity. We can invest in what will endure forever. So this brings me back to the matter of time. You remember we read about time in... Um, uh, in Ephesians chapter 5. Now, I'd like us to go back to that scripture as um, I, I begin to tie this up. Now, in Ephesians chapter 5, I'd like to read it from uh, the Amplified Translation. And the Amplified here says, verse 15, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15, and please, uh, you may want to turn your Bibles there. It says, look carefully then how you walk, how you live, you see, the word walk there um, is, is peripateo. Is, it, it has to do with just the way you walk around, your normal life. 
your everyday life. So we are told to look carefully how we live. He says, live purposefully and worthily and accurately. He says we are to live carefully, we are to live worthily, we are to live accurately. Not as the unwise and the witless, but as wise, sensible, intelligent people. So in the light of the times, we are to live purposefully. That means there has to be purpose in everything we are doing. There has to be purpose. You know, if you are exercising, it is exercise with purpose. I, I try to exercise at times, and as I'm exercising, in my mind I'm thinking, Ferdinand, you must keep this body strong. It is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and God must be maximized in this temple. Nothing must happen to you until the fullness of God's purpose is accomplished. This is how I think when I'm exercising. So it's not exercise, it is exercise with an agenda. So, even when we eat, we eat purposefully. We are not just eating for eating's sake. We are eating because we need to look after the temple of God. Which is why we don't put junk into our body. We are eating with an agenda. You see, I want you to become a person of, of intentional action. Don't be reactive anymore. This is not time to just be reacting to life. Become very intentional. When you are going to speak, you are speaking with purpose. You are giving with purpose. When you pray, you are praying with an agenda. Either to seek to know the Lord or a definite request or his wisdom and clarity for the times. Even as a preacher, you are not just preaching a good message. You are preaching a message that has a purpose. This is important. Live purposefully. Our marriages, our families become marriage with an agenda. What's the agenda? It's not just marriage for marriage's sake. Do you know? I, I normally say to women, I said, don't marry a man that doesn't have a vision because if you marry a man that doesn't have a vision, you might become his vision. <laughs> and then he wakes up in the morning, he starts attacking you because he, he can't see any vision other than you. You understand? But if the man has a vision and then you as the wife, you are helping him and both of you are pursuing the vision, it becomes important now that it's marriage with an agenda. It's not just marriage for marriage's sake. It's marriage to advance the kingdom. It's marriage to bring godly seed that we honor God. It's marriage to be an example and to bless the body of Christ. Live purposefully. I plead with you in the name of Jesus. Become, don't, don't be scattered. In fact, listen to how the Amplified Bible puts the next verse. He says, making the very most of the time, buying up the opportunity because the days are evil. I'm coming back to that. Look at verse 17. He says, therefore, do not be vague and thoughtless and foolish. He said, don't be vague. You know what it means to be vague? <laughs> you know, when the thing is vague, it's not clear. You're just beating about the bush. This is not time to beat about the bush. I hear Solomon, you know, Solomon said, whatever your hand findeth to do, do with all your might. Uh, pardon me, that is not God's intention for the child of God in the New Testament. You see, that scripture is good as a general rule. Whatever your hand findeth to do, no, 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 no. In the New Testament, we are not told to do whatever your hand finds it to do. We are told to grow in the knowledge of the will of God. To know the precise assignment. 
that God has for our lives. Not just to beat about the bush and we are looking for what to do. Blessed be the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to the name of Jesus. So don't be vague. And then he said, don't be thoughtless and foolish, but understanding and firmly grasping what the will of the Lord is. Now, look at that verse 16, because I want to spend some time there and then draw this to a close. In verse 16, we see the Bible talk about making the most of the time. This takes me back to time. You see, there are two distinct biblical components of time. This is very important. There are two types of time in the Bible. Number one type of time in scripture is represented by the Greek word chronos. Chronos. Now the word chronos is chronological. That's from where you get chronological. In other words, you know, time um, in a continuous unbroken fashion. You know, yesterday, today, tomorrow, that is chronos time. Uh, Please, we have an appointment for so and so time. This is 4 p.m. or 7 p.m. or something. This is time in general. Now, the second type of time in scripture is called kairos. And kairos is not chronological time. Kairos is opportunity. Kairos is an opportune time. It's a season of opportunity, which is not continuous. If you miss the Kairos moment, that thing will pass. So you see, in this scripture that we are reading now, in Ephesians chapter 5, the word for time there is Kairos. That's why it says making the most of every opportunity. You see, opportunity Opportune time is different from general time. I'll give you another example. Remember, following the temptation of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says that Satan, you know, tempted the Lord Jesus Christ. And then when Satan left, did he leave permanently? No. What does the Bible say about his leaving? He said he left Jesus until an opportune time. He left the Lord until another opportune season. In other words, temptation does not last all the time. Satan is always timing temptation to come at a moment of opportunity. Satan is timing temptation to come when he has the highest chance of success. So you see opportunity. Here is another scripture. It's found in Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. Jesus was coming down into Jerusalem. Luke uh, 19 from verse 41. Now, as he drew near, he saw the city and he wept over it. And he said, if you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, he said, but now they are hidden from your eyes. Verse 43, Luke 19, 43. He said, for days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave you in you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation. You did not know the time. You Jerusalem, you had a kairos moment, and you missed it. That's what Jesus is saying. 
And when Jesus saw that, Jesus wept. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Look what is coming to you because you did not know the time. So, if we are to understand time, we must understand, first of all, that time is a creation of God. But that God created two types of time. The general chronological time and then the kairos time, which is a moment of opportunity. Kairos is the time when you are most likely going to succeed at an endeavor. And do you know, I found from scripture, there is individual personal kairos. There is also group kairos, organizational kairos. There is even national kairos. I personally believe that my own country, you know, Nigeria, part of why we have gone through all kinds of crises is because we missed a national kairos. We missed a moment of opportunity. Look at Dubai, United Arab Emirates. Do you know that one of the reasons for the prosperity of those guys was that they, they, they maximized kairos, financial prosperity I'm talking about. The moment of opportunity came when the oil boom arrived and then the oil money, they invested it, converted the place into a financial capital and all kinds of things. And as the world is moving away from oil, they too, they are diversifying into something else. What if they squandered their oil money on something else when they had that opportunity? So even a church congregation has a moment of opportunity when God gives them latitude and longitude for impact. And the plan of God is that we will maximize Kairos. I perceive in my spirit, many people that are listening to me, this is a Kairos moment in your life. When people are saying that there is a casting down, you will say there is a lifting up. Do you know that in the midst of this crisis, people are finding opportunity? I want you to watch out for Kairos. God is granting you a Kairos moment. God is granting your ministry a Kairos moment. A moment for impact. A moment for impact. God, even your finances, your finances, you are going to find a Kairos moment financially. And God calls us to maximize the opportunity. This is also the opportunity to bring the gospel to a world in need. Do you know the church ought to rise and shine? Come on, somebody. When the world is confused, we are not confused. We know what is coming. We know why the world is the way it is. These are the last times. And as the people are confused, some people are terrified. This is our opportunity to preach the gospel. So maximize the opportunity to bring the word of life to other people uh, uh, in this time of need. This is your opportunity to pray for the sick, to give counsel to people that are confused. Don't, this is not the time to keep quiet. This is not the time to back off. This is the time to move forward. That's why in eternity ministries, we are not backing down. We are not backing off. We are invading the nations with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Even in this time of crisis. And God is opening up the nations. You will find Kairos. At least. So I'm speaking to some people here. This is, your, this is your Kairos moment. You will are born for such a time as this. Receive this word. And you are going to break out on the left and on the right. And God will do things that you never imagined possible in and through your life. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So as we maximize Kairos, we discern the times. 
as the signs are taking place, wars and rumors of wars, pestilences, we, you know, when it's okay, we see, we, we are told that you are coming. The king is coming. Our king is not far away. With that understanding, we prioritize. We realign our priorities. We stop chasing shadows and we focus on the kingdom. We let go of our carnal and temporary agendas and we embrace kingdom agenda. And in living truth, in subsequent times, we are going to be looking at all of these priorities. Look, this living truth, you see, we are focusing on divine priorities. Things that are important to the heart of God. Not just some old story that somebody has been telling. So we discern the times. And from discerning the times, we take appropriate action. You remember Pharaoh? God has shown Pharaoh what he's about to do. And you too, child of God, God has shown you what he's about to do. And so in the light of what God has revealed to us, we begin to act. We begin to live like people that have light. And we bring the gospel to those who do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. And here is the final component. We remember eternity. We remember that beyond time lies eternity. So we don't live and make all our investment in this place. We are transferring our treasures. We are investing in the kingdom. Because we can see beyond this place. Let me tell you this story and then I will stop. You remember Daniel was called to interpret. You know when, uh, when the handwriting wrote on the wall. You remember Belshazzar, King Belshazzar. And the thing wrote, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Upasen. So when Daniel eventually came to interpret that thing, the king made a promise to him. He said, are you Daniel? Oh, you know, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to, uh, um, uh, if you can interpret this, if you can read this for me, um, you are going to be the third ruler, number three in the kingdom. Daniel, I'm going to wear you a purple cloth, cloth. We put a gold chain around your neck. We are going to promote you. When the man finished talking, Daniel said, keep all of your property to yourself. I have bad news for you. Mene, mene, tekel, upase. Numbered, numbered, weighed, divided. Those were the words. There were four words. Numbered, mene, numbered, mene, tekel, weighed, then divided. Numbered, numbered, weighed, divided. The days of this, your foolishness, and this, your wicked kingdom, have been numbered and have been brought to a close. You have been weighed on the balances and you have been found wanting and your kingdom has been taken away from you and has been divided to the meats and to the patience. The Bible says that night, Belshazzar was killed and, the, and the, Darius the Mede took the kingdom. Now here is the point. Daniel has come to tell Belshazzar that the kingdom is ending that night and Belshazzar is promising to make him third ruler in a kingdom that we end tonight. <laughs> Daniel said, Thank you, sir, but no, I don't want your appointment. In your moribund kingdom, in your kingdom that is quarter to die. Listen, brothers and sisters, planet Earth is on its way out. There's another kingdom that is coming. There is another kingdom that will swallow this place. Don't make all your investments on a planet that is about to pass away. Lay for yourself treasures in heaven this is the moment to do that so you see because we discern the times we begin to live with eternity in view we can see what is coming and in the light of that um, uh, God 
will be glorified in our lives. So tonight, we have looked at time, times, and eternity. And we have established the fact that God wants us to have light. God does not want us to be confused with the rest of the world who do not know God. And having said that, we understand that God created time and he created two types of time. Chronological time and then Kairos time, opportunity. And that this is our opportunity for kingdom advancement. This is our opportunity to prepare for eternity. This, for some of us, and I'm speaking to some people here, this is your opportunity to make certain investments that we thrive as this season begins to pass. Because there are investment opportunities right now. Now, as we do all of these things, we discern the times. And with a clear understanding of the times, we live with eternity in view. Because we know that there is something beyond this place. Glory to the name of Jesus. Now, come on somebody. Let's just begin to worship the Lord. Thank God for his word. Just pray as if you were in church. Lift up your voice there in your home. Um, just begin to pray. Give glory to the Lord. Thank God for his word. In the name of Jesus, just begin to pray and bless the Lord for the entrance of his word. From all over the world, let our prayers rise. From all over the world, let our prayers rise. Oh, hallelujah. Yes, there in the United States, in Nigeria here, in India, let our prayers rise to the glory of God. Thank you. Let's give thanks for the word. Thank God for light. Father, thank you that we do not walk in darkness. Oh, we give you praise. We give you glory. Thank you, Father, that we are not deceived with the rest of our generation. We give you praise. Thank you, Father, for Kairos. Thank you for a moment of opportunity for every one of us on this call here tonight. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Father, we thank you. We praise you. Pray for discernment. Would you like to pray for yourself? Say, Father, baptize me with clarity, with a spirit of discernment. I will not be distracted. I will not be diverted. I will not be deceived. In the name of Jesus, let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you for discernment. Thank you for clarity. We reject distractions in, a, in an age that is coming to a close. In the name of Jesus, we receive deep convictions Father, we realign ourselves to your priorities. Begin to pray for yourself. Say, Father, realign me to your priorities. Oh, pray that prayer. Realign me, Father, to your priorities. Realign my heart to what is important to you. In the name of Jesus, realign my life. Lord, reset my priorities. Father, help me to reset my priorities. To let go of perishables that I might inherit the eternal in the name of Jesus if there is anything between you and the Lord if there is something the Lord has been speaking to you about hindering you just release it and let it go and let the precious blood of Jesus bring cleansing to our hearts to our families if there is some bitterness let it go let there be healing in your heart Oh, I speak healing to families, healing to marriages in the name of Jesus. Oh, thank you, gracious Father. Thank you, gracious Father. Now let's ask the Lord to put eternity in our hearts that we might live conscious that there's something beyond this life. Thank you, Father. 
Oh Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for light. Thank you for my brothers and sisters with whom we have engaged your word tonight. And, and this afternoon, depending on where they are. And we just ask that Lord, this word we produce in lives. Thank you that the word has gone forth producing, Lord, a, a radical realignment, clarity, and purpose in this end time. In the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Heavenly Father. That scripture said, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Would you like to receive power, a fresh baptism of the Spirit of God upon your life, upon your ministry? Father, in the name of Jesus, we receive right now, in the name of Jesus, receive a fresh outpouring of the Spirit of God. Be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus. Father, thank you for rivers of living water. I perceive fresh rivers of living water pouring, flowing from your innermost being. In the name of Jesus. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen and amen and amen. the land and Lord of the sea.